Welcome to Brain Talk, a podcast about the latest thinking and research in neurology with a specific focus on epilepsy and other seizure-like disorders. Today's episode features Dr. Jeremy Slater, Chief Medical Officer at Stratus. Dr. Slater will be discussing breakthrough seizures and when to consider using video EEG during diagnosis. Let's take a listen. Good morning, this is Jeremy Slater. Talk about when to consider uh, EEG, specifically video telemetry in the setting of, of breakthrough seizures. So this is an interesting topic because at this point, if you're talking about breakthrough seizures, you have someone who already has a diagnosis of epilepsy and they presumably have been controlled to some extent previously. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a breakthrough seizure. It would just be ongoing seizure activity or um, they're controlled. They're having breakthrough seizures, so they've had epilepsy before. The question then becomes, uh, well, one, why do you care? Well, there's a huge difference between, just in general, and uh, part of the process of, of all of these podcasts, all these topics, is to foster a better understanding of epilepsy as a disease condition and not simply uh, video EEG telemetry, which is one therapy or one uh, diagnostic tool. The better you understand the primary condition that the service is used for, the more effective you can be uh, as an advocate of the diagnostic tool for these patients, which is truly your primary purpose um, as a sales force. Okay, uh, digression aside. Breakthrough seizures, there's a, they carry a heavy burden in epilepsy. There's increased morbidity, risk of death, uh, risk of injury, risk of premature mortality is associated with breakthrough seizures, particularly if you're doing, you know, working on a roof, operating a motor vehicle accident, doing heavy uh, motor vehicle, uh, uh, doing heavy lifting, etc. There have been multiple factors associated with breakthrough seizures, and these have been studied uh, in uh, different countries, different institutions, and in different settings. Um, the most common reasons that people have breakthrough seizures, and hopefully the first one will not come as a surprise to anyone, is medication noncompliance. Uh, most of the time when somebody has been well controlled with epilepsy, they presented the emergency department when they recover, or if you ask family members, were they taking their medication? They either ran out, missed some doses, lost the medication, were unable to take it for one reason or another, and that's what triggered the breakthrough seizure. The importance of this is under those circumstances, additional workup is generally not necessary. It's kind of like a vicious variation of that old joke. Doc, it hurts when I do this. And then the guy's twisting his arm or something. The doctor looks at him and says, well, then don't do that. If you take your medicine and you don't have seizures and you stop taking your medicine and you have seizures, the answer is take your medicine. It's actually one of the things I would tell my patients. This is a very powerful argument for compliance with your medication because you don't like showing up in the emergency department, you know, with bruised, battered, injured, et cetera, 
you could even not show up in the emergency department, just end up dead, probably a good reason to take your pills. Okay, not going to need an EEG at that point. You already know that they have epilepsy and you've got a virtual certainty that the reason that they had breakthrough seizures is that they stopped taking their pills. If they have concurrent infections, anytime you become ill, you get a cold, flu, etc., uh, the illness itself increases stress on the body. Uh, many times an illness is associated with either sleep deprivation or relatively ineffective sleep, so you're adding that on top of it. Those things together uh, can be very powerful triggers for seizures. So if somebody comes in and they've got a urinary tract infection and breakthrough seizure activity, they probably seized because of the urinary tract infection. Or if they were working prolonged shift work or they're studying for the bar for some reason, they've stayed up for 24, 48 hours, that's probably why they had the breakthrough seizure. There are a percentage of women with epilepsy uh, who have what are called catamenial seizures where the seizures tend to be time-locked either just prior, during, or after their menses. Um, if you have a, a, a woman in that age range who comes in and it is around the time of menses and that's when they're presenting with a breakthrough seizure, that may at least be a contributing uh, factor uh, to why they had a breakthrough seizure. In all of these cases, you're either going, going to try to address the underlying trigger um, or, for example, in the case of catamenial epilepsy, increase the patient's medications to the point where that trigger doesn't result in them having a seizure. That's the goal. But let's say they're compliant with their medicine. They don't have a concurrent illness. They don't have a history of catamenial epilepsy or it's just not catamenial. It's not around the time of their menses and they're breaking through anyway. At that point, you have to say, well, what's changed? Well, I've taken... One of the thing, first things you're going to do when they come in is you're going to take levels of their anticonvulsant medications. And this is actually one instance where those levels are use, useful because if it's not that the actual, the absolute number matters, but if my drug level of a drug was X, 10, 5, 14, 360, whatever it was, when I was well controlled, and then when I come into the emergency room with a breakthrough seizure, it's now half of X. It's, you know, 180 instead of 360 or 5 instead of 10. I don't have enough medicine in my system, and that's why I had seizures. And if I'm still compliant, then you have to start looking for, well, is there a problem with the pills? Was there a generic substitution? Are they not absorbing the pills well? Are they taking another pill? Did they add a new medicine that's interfering with the old medication? So you've got to make sure none of that is going on. But let's say they're compliant with their medicine, levels are fine, and they still had a breakthrough seizure. Well, then the question is, why? Depending on the particular patient, you may be worried that the underlying process of their epilepsy or whatever is triggering their epilepsy is somehow getting worse. Or maybe they've developed a new epilepsy, and there's no rule that says that you can only have one kind or... or seizures that are brought about by just one trigger. So at that point, 
you might consider getting an imaging study, you might consider getting uh, a prolonged EEG to look for, and, it, and again, you're comparing this, uh, in both instances, you're comparing it to their prior studies. Their prior imaging study may well have been ne negative. Now you're looking for the appearance of something. Case of prior EEG, prior EEG could have been negative, could have been positive, but if it's positive, now you're looking for something different from the previous EEG. Even if the previous EEG was abnormal, maybe the new one is also abnormal, but now in a different way, which may alter your approach uh, to treatment. The other thing that's gonna trigger a higher likelihood that you're gonna proceed with that additional workup of suggesting uh, they get repeat video EEG monitoring as an example, is their seizure, seizures are generally self-similar, uh, what we call stereotypic. They're not identical to one another, but the symptoms of the seizure tend to be the same each time. They tend to follow the same pattern each time. It can obviously vary in severity and how uh, far the seizure actually progresses, but it tends to be roughly the same. So, and this is an example from when I was a fellow, we had one patient had complex partial seizures, and when he would get a seizure, he'd curl up into fetal position, rock back and forth and sing, he's got the whole world in his hands in a falsetto voice, which was, yes, it was hilarious to watch. And the thing about him was every time he had a seizure, go into fetal position, rock back and forth and sing in a falsetto voice, but the song changed, so it wasn't absolutely identical, but the seizures were self-similar, which is what we refer to as stereotypic. If this patient came in and presented with uh, breakthrough seizures, but now uh, the seizures consisted of clucking like a chicken or running down the hallway or just acting confused, uh, a clinical presentation this patient had never had before, well, then you have to be worried that something else is going on. And this will all, almost immediately trigger a response of saying, look, we need another imaging study to make sure there isn't a tumor or something, and we need another EEG to see what's going on, to see, you know, is the same seizure activity that he had before? Has he developed something new? Has the seizure activity modified its, itself in some fashion? Those are the instances where you're going to want to get uh, a repeat EEG study, and for the reasons that I previously described, there's always an advantage to getting a longer EEG as opposed to a shorter EEG, uh, particular, particularly video EEG monitoring. This podcast was brought to you by Stratus, the leading provider of ambulatory in-home video EEG testing. For more information about Stratus, please visit our website at www.stratusneuro.com.